The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I am excited today because we have Erica Donald here with us to talk about education. And just so you know, Erica is a guest faculty member for the Leadership Institute's School Board Leaders Programs, as well as the CEO of Optima Ed, an education experience company dedicated to expanding high quality school choice. And she also happens to be married to someone that we've had on this podcast before, whose name is Congressman Byron Donalds. And together they have three boys, which means education is not only her professional passion, but also her personal passion. Because as a mom of four girls, I know what it's like to want to make sure that your kids are getting the best possible education. So Erica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And so you can tell us how to make sure that our kids are getting the best education because you have a lot of really interesting things going on. I mean, there's so much to touch on. I think that it's interesting to me because after COVID, a lot of us opened our eyes to the fact that education might not be exactly what we thought. And there's a lot of alternative forms of education that people might not know about. So if you can kind of like dig into that and tell us what you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 12 years ago is where my education journey began. I was in investment management for 20 years, had no thought to education except buying a house in the neighborhood where I wanted my kids to go to school, like a lot of middle-class families do. Um, But I learned pretty quickly that when you have four girls or three boys, not every one of them is going to learn the same. And so I had to find something a little bit different for my middle child. And I discovered school choice when I found that I didn't have it. You know, I couldn't afford some of the private schools. I paid a premium for this house, Um, but I discovered classical education, a small private school. And that really started me on a journey of trying to make this type of education available to as many families as possible, helping to start charter schools. I served on a school board for a while, hoping to change the public school system. I gave up on that pretty quickly, started Optima Ed, where we've been able to open uh, now starting on six classical charter schools, including Optima Academy Online, which is a nationwide uh, virtual classical school, the world's first VR school available to families everywhere and a growing number of families tuition free. 
I truly believe that to fix our education system, we need a free market in education. And that's what at the Leadership Institute, as I'm traveling around talking to families, they want options, but the things that they really want, high quality, a school that aligns with their values, can only come about with a free market enterprise system that's going to increase quality and access and and innovation in our education arena for everyone. It's been interesting because we've seen a lot of states in the past couple of years change over. I think COVID really started that with governors across the country. Governors started to say, gosh, you know, we need to give people an option because they saw their school boards having more power than they had as governor and shutting schools down. And then I know in Arizona, at the time, Governor Ducey said, if your school is shutting down, we're going to help you to go to a different school. And that kind of started that whole push toward a lot of different states saying, man, if your kid isn't learning, like you said, if you have one kid that isn't learning well in that school, why shouldn't you as the parent get to choose the business that's going to make your child successful? Because school, I mean, ultimately it is a business and yet it doesn't have to perform like a business. If it doesn't perform, it still gets money and it doesn't make any sense. The public school monopoly is simply not working. It hasn't worked for decades. And you're right, it's not operated like a business, certainly not in the way that they spend tax dollars. I mean, we look at how much it's being spent and the results, uh, which are abysmal right now, frankly, uh, versus what people are getting out of their ESA dollars or out of the charter school dollars that are spent that are a fraction. Um, and no business is operating that way. But most importantly, and you mentioned COVID and how much people woke up the teachers union showed us who they are in COVID. They don't put students first. They put unions first. They put adults first. And the curtain was pulled back on the low quality curriculum and teaching and learning that's happening in our schools. Parents were outraged. I heard from many of them about the low quality of the curriculum and they're recognizing the curriculum crisis. And then finally, what I mentioned earlier, the misalignment of values in the, this monopolistic system where parents are forced by rule of law to send their children all day, every day. And those people were giving uh, out information that was contrary to the values that the parents had at home, cultural indoctrination, political indoctrination. We're looking at changing pronouns and forcing children into mature conversations that they're not ready for. And so I had never are... even thought about it, though, from that perspective that you are you really are legally forced to send your child to this school every day, to this building every day, and what they're going to teach them, you have little say over. And I thought it was interesting that you said you started with the school board because you thought you could have an impact on your public school and quickly realized that that wasn't going to be the answer for you. Because I think some people are getting to the point now where we've had a lot of this activism. So a lot of people have joined the school board and they aren't having the results that they were hoping to have. And so I think you give them hope by saying, well, if that doesn't work, there are other options. Well, absolutely. And I'm really proud of what we've done since I left the school board with Optima. But it's also why I joined the Leadership Institute as a guest faculty and why we are traveling the country to train school board members on how to be effective. We do have more school board members on our side, if you will, than ever before, thanks to uh, even groups like Moms for Liberty, Leadership mm -hmm. Institute, that's helping get these candidates elected. But once you're elected, you need training and support so you can be effective model policies, things like that, that are going to allow these school board members to actually have more of an influence than I had in my four years when I was in the minority. And it literally took me four years to get even to my first priority in mm. my campaign. And even then, you know, they just stonewalled me every chance they got. But 
there is a way to make change as school board members. And I'm really proud of the work that the Leadership Institute is doing to help make that happen. So tell us a little bit about a VR school, because I know a lot of people came out of COVID and went, man, I don't ever want to be on something that sounds like an online school again. Now, a lot of people also don't realize that we had online K through 12 before COVID that was very successful, but those are specifically trained to be online. And so when people get a little bit nervous about an online type of school now, I think they need to understand that that is different than just taking your public school that's never been online and trying to convert them overnight. Yeah, it, it is the difference between emergency pandemic learning and truly intentional, high quality virtual options. And when we went online during COVID, I was operating a brick and mortar classical school. I did not have an online school. And I went to the shelf looking for something to purchase for my students to replicate what we were doing in person and keep that high quality experience. Frankly, there were some good online options, but nothing classical, nothing liberal arts that I wanted. So we created our own program that really replicated the in-person experience, kept that rigorous curriculum, the high quality classical nature of what we do in person and online. And we had parents contacting us saying, we want to participate in your online program. We hear how good it is, even though our children don't go to your school. And so we decided at the end of the pandemic when in Florida, thankfully, we all went back in person that we had about a hundred students whose families wanted to stay online because just as many families who say, I cannot take this anymore. And I was one of them. My kids need to go back to school. I have one child out of three who really thrived being able to work at his own pace mm -hmm. online without the distractions of in-person schooling. And so I think just like we've been talking about, you know, parents need different options. As long as it is a high quality option with well-qualified teachers who are passionate about their subject matter and the curriculum is solid, most importantly, uh, online options like Optima Academy Online can be a great asset for families and a great option when they don't have others. Now, when it comes to VR, uh, if you think about the checkerboard of faces that was live learning, if you were lucky enough to get live learning during the pandemic, you know, parents are managing 25 different classrooms. It's completely impossible for educators to do. When you have on a VR headset, our students are in a classroom with their teacher and their peers. That is, and, I mean, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, VR learning, are they actually feel like those, they put those goggle things on and they feel like they're right there? That is so neat. We have a whole campus and um, that they do classrooms inside and outdoors. But even better, we immerse them in experiences such as going to ancient Rome when they're learning oh, wow. about history, or they go to the moon and actually watch a lunar landing. The one I'm most proud of is our constitutional experience where we've built Independence Hall, and they can actually go through the constitutional, uh, the founding fathers, their, their debates over the Constitution, and, and feel like they were there in person for what actually occurred at Independence Hall for the founding of our country. It gives me chills just to talk about it. So there's a lot that we can do with technology on our side of the aisle, if you will, uh, because the progressives are, are taking off with it in ways that we don't really want for our children. But we can create a really high quality experience in, in virtual reality and digitally that parents can be involved in with their children at home if they so choose and if that's the best option for them. Is that available to people across the country? Is that only in your area? How does that work? It, we are nationwide now. We are continuing to work on being tuition-free nationwide. So we are tuition-free in Florida and Arizona. We are on the education savings account platforms in other states, including North Carolina, Iowa, New Hampshire. Every day, my team is working hard to get us on platforms or get 
the funding available because I truly believe that it should be free, a high quality education option for every single family in the country. I believe so much in the classical model and in school choice that this is my way of trying to make a difference there. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One other area that I wanted to get to with you in public education, because you've been outspoken about the uncontrollable influx of migrants at our border, both you and your husband have been outspoken about this, but you bring up some points that I think a lot of us have not considered when we think about people coming across the border. And that is that these kids are coming into schools with our students and these children don't speak English. And just the amount of resources that get taken away from kids in that classroom, because there are so many students suddenly who come in, English is not their first language. They're trying to learn English. They're trying to learn what they're being taught in class and those resources are being stretched because how can a teacher who has never taught a student that doesn't learn that doesn't know English be able to really prioritize the students that are American citizens 
uh, when you have all of these migrant students who are not American citizens, who are not not vaccinated, I would like to point out also, and they don't speak English. This is a huge problem that people are not talking about when it comes to the immigration crisis our country is facing. You have perhaps a million children who have come across the border that the Supreme Court says that our schools have to serve. And some uh, districts, especially urban districts, have had to hire more social workers, more English language learner teachers, uh, more guidance counselors, and of course, more teachers themselves, even though there's a teacher shortage already to service these students. But studies show that as students who do not speak the native language, who are behind academically, are coming into these classrooms, that resources are diverted, not just stretched, but diverted away from American students, the families of taxpaying Americans who are paying for these schools. They are losing out on these precious resources in order to uh, service those who are more behind. We know that our students are already too far behind to compete globally. They need all the resources that they can get. And unfortunately, because Biden has allowed this crisis, uh, we're going to see a, an effect on the academic performance of our schools even more than we have in the past. Well, I mean, we are seeing a significant effect. Let me pick on Minnesota for a second. That is Ilhan Omar's home state. That is a they, they have a large migrant population there and it continues to grow on a regular basis. A large group from Somalia in Minnesota and I mean, to the point where Minneapolis has an entire section that is now just called Little Somalia and 75 schools last year had a zero percent proficiency rate in math. That is four percent of the schools there had a zero percent proficiency rate in math. And and this is not to pick on immigrants. This is to say these are folks who are coming in and they don't speak the language and there is nothing in the public school system that says, okay, when this happens, now we're going to do this. And these are not folks that are paying the taxes to be there. And that no one is increasing their budgets either to accommodate. In fact, we see New York City decreasing budgets in order to accommodate the immigrants' housing and medical care. So no new information or new uh, budget is going into the schools to accommodate the needs of these immigrants. And so not only is the teacher attention, which is the biggest resource that our students have diverted to students who need that additional help, uh, but resources certainly are being diverted as well. Uh, you mentioned in Minnesota, you know, in Baltimore, 40% of the high schools have zero proficiency. I mean, can you imagine sending a child into a school environment where none, not a single child in their entire school is reading or doing mathematics on grade level? But it's robbery school. on so many levels because you are robbing these children of an education. So therefore you are robbing them of a future and you're robbing the residents of their tax dollars. Because if you, I mean, like I said, it's not run like a business because a business is not allowed to fail. If a business fails, it fails. You don't, there's no safety net for a business. But these schools are run where they're not held accountable to anything. In fact, they even lower scoring so that they can say, oh, actually, these kids are passing. They're not passing. They're, this is ridiculous. Yes, we saw in Portland and in that area, they eliminated the need to pass a proficiency test in order to graduate high school. I mean, what are we, why are we calling them graduates? We should just call them finishers because they sat in a seat for 13 years from K to 12 and then they left. 
but we don't know if they read and we don't know if they do math. In fact, we know that they don't uh, based on past experience and performance. And we see it in New York as well. They tried to lower the proficiency rates for reading because the scores were so low, embarrassingly low. They want to move the bar lower so that they can say, oh, yes, there are this many students above the bar. When we know that that bar is already too low, when you look at how we're performing against other countries, we are near the bottom now for K-12 academic performance. And so we need to get serious as a country about academic excellence. We need both our leaders in the, at the federal level and at state levels across the country to make this a priority. But most importantly, as you and I both know, the thing that really changes things is when parents continue to rise up and demand options, demand accountability and transparency by their local schools and by their state governments. That's really the thing that starts the change. But wouldn't it be great if we had leaders across our country who actually made this into a priority instead of making excuses for the teachers unions? Well, absolutely. How much of this, though, is also if we had leaders that would stop the influx? I mean, we're looking at 10% of our students now not speaking English, 10% speaking another language and learning English while they are in the classroom. And now we're seeing, now historically, it's been mostly Spanish, but now we're seeing Russian, Ukrainian, Arabic, all of these kids coming in from other countries not speaking English. This, to me, as we see the world at war, as we see more anti-Semitism rise in our universities, and we saw just what we saw last week with the presidents of the universities refusing to say that calling for genocide is harassment. I mean, just harassment, that this is against the code of conduct. That's all they had to say. Yeah, yeah, you can't call for the, like the murder of an entire group of people. And they were like, well, what depends on the context of genocide? Like, what? That word means one thing. There's a that context in the word. I, it was so shocking to watch them say that with a straight face. And then when Congresswoman Stefanik kept asking them again and again, hoping that they would click and give the opportunity to say, no, we actually don't want our students calling for genocide of Jews on our campuses. They refused to say it until after they talked to their crisis management teams back home, right? And now they're trying to save their jobs. But every single one of them should resign. I'm so glad that they were exposed. But this has been going on at our college campuses for so long. And now, frankly, it is infiltrating our K-12 schools as well <clears throat> because it's coming through the teachers' colleges, right? That mindset that, that we saw on full display in Congress this week uh, with those university presidents that's what's being taught in our teachers' colleges, and those teachers are in our K-12 schools. And regardless of what these laws are at the state level saying you can't say this and you can't say that, no one is in those classrooms to hold those teachers accountable. And it doesn't, nothing makes the, the case for school choice more than that, if you're right. in my opinion. Well, I will say, I with the university, I talked to a gentleman uh, just a couple of days ago. This totally... I guess I put it in a different perspective for me because we keep hearing about Asian discrimination on college campuses and that Asian students have been, even though they have the highest grades, they're not getting the places at our, at our Ivy League universities. And he said, I look at my son, and he was Indian American, he said, I look at my son and in the time that he was in high school, I started up a new tech company. He said he worked twice as hard as I did. He gave up all of his time with his friends. He was busting his butt 
on a regular basis just to get in. And he squeaked in. And when he got there, he said there were kids that hardly had to work at all. But because they were under the label of people of color, they got into Stanford. And he said, he called me and he said, Dad, there are dorms that I'm not allowed to go in because I'm not a person of color. And he said, this is driving these young people for the first time away from liberalism. He said, I am a liberal, but I am now, I've been driven away from this because he said, I cannot believe how horribly my son has been discriminated against. He said, my niece had to, she, she, her life goal was to get to Harvard. And he said, she entered Harvard as a trans man and was welcomed into Harvard, did all of the work wrote the essay, I'm a trans man. He said on day one, she was in trans studies as a trans man. And on day two, she was in computer science as herself. And he said, and the reason she did that was because if they're going to mess with her this way, after even though she's the best qualified, she's going to play the game. And I was like, man, that, I mean, it's so sad that that is where we are. But it's very interesting to me that young people have started to say, I have to do something to hide who I am to get where I deserve to be. That's pretty sad. And not hide who I am as a, a bad person. Right. Bad things I've done in my past. I mean, we, we hide my ethnicity. Friends. No, but hide who I am from my ethnicity, from my history, from my just normal sexuality, like all of these crazy things because you have to be Counterculture. You have to be different. You have to be, you know, liberal in many cases in order to be appealing to these opportunities that every student should have based on their merits and, and their hard work and their intelligence. It's so sad that the country that we live in, America, this meritocracy has turned into this and we really cannot let it go. We can't let this happen. And I think that the fight is in our, our people, right? The fight is in parents who see this, who you, the same ones that you just heard from, it's not left or right. Even people on both sides of the aisle are seeing this idiocy, seeing the anti-Semitism on display, seeing the hypocrisy and frankly, the racism uh, that is taking place. And I think we're going to continue to see an uprising against it. We're going to see it in next year's election, I believe. And I would predict. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to see that, but it is horrifying to see where we are in many ways. It is. In fact, you know, when we had your husband on, Congressman Byron Donalds, he was talking about the fact that liberals have actually, you have experienced racism being in an interracial marriage from liberals. How bizarre okay. is that? Far more than any time in our history. We, we met in college at Florida State University. So we've been together about 23 years now. And even in what I would call sort of the deep south in Tallahassee, Florida, North Florida, all the way to Naples when we moved here, which was very white and, you know, very much older, older uh, population. We did not experience uh, racism in the way that we do today with him as a Republican congressman. Uh, mm. You should see I mean, some of the comments and memes and things that put people put out there are absolutely despicable, but it doesn't come from the right. It doesn't even come from older generations that you might think have some uh, antiquated viewpoints. It's absolutely uh, coming from just if they were all in one category, it would be the, the liberal left. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. 
Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That is so crazy to think, but that racism seems to be the new norm in the political arena on the left. And I was thinking about this earlier today. I'm like, gosh, you know, for years, they have been calling us the racists and the anti-Semites and man, have they been exposed in the yeah. past few months. And I thought, gosh, so oftentimes, you know, when you have someone that is, you know, one of those toxic people in your life, you're told time and time again, usually they're projecting what they're saying right. about you is who they actually are. And I don't think we could have even fully unpacked the level to which they are racist and anti-Semitic. And yet here we are seeing it today. And I'm and I just want you to know that we appreciate you and your family and everything that you guys do to fight against that kind of stuff. Well it's truly an honor to be in the position that we're in to be able to make a difference for Byron to do so in Washington DC. And for me, just in my corner of the world here when it comes to education, being able to be on shows like yours. Appreciate what you do to give this a platform and talk about these important issues. And I think it empowers other people to be courageous, to step out, whether it means running for office or just being an activist and speaking to your friends and neighbors about the things that are important. I think you find a lot more synergy, regardless of what side of the aisle you think they sit on, because this is just common sense stuff and we're going to lose our country otherwise. So I just encourage everyone to be courageous, stand for what you believe in, and don't be afraid to talk to people about it. 
It's so true. We've been talking about this so much lately, just about don't put all your faith even in government. I mean, we've never put our faith in government. It is about you. And and you can join government and have an impact that way. But if you choose not to, in a capitalist society, you have a lot of power. Your dollar has a lot of power. And so you can stop. I mean, it, we were just talking about Disney the other day and all of these actors that are in the Marvel movies who have come out against Republicans. And I'm like, you know, it's not even that they have this woke content and what they're doing. It's that these people who we go to because they're professional entertainers, I mean, that's their job. Then they go out and they say terrible things about us. If you say something terrible about me, I don't really want to pay to have you entertain me, which is your professional job. But you kind of ruin your professional job. It does. And thank goodness now there's a lot more competition for entertainment and we can choose to go elsewhere. You know, it used to not be that way where you had limited options. And now you've got some amazing Christian organizations developing movies. You've got Dinesh D'Souza doing great things with his uh, production and others. So we finally have more of a a le- you know, less monopolistic market when it comes to entertainment and we can vote with our feet. And I can only hope that that continues to happen in education. And we see the same free market impact where people can vote with their feet when things do not align with their values or the quality that they expect. And that's what we're hoping for in Florida with the universal ESAs. I know it's happening in Arizona now as well. And we've only just begun. That's something that we've also been talking about with some Anytime government gets involved in something, it doesn't seem to be successful. So whether it's the VA and helping veterans who are wounded or suffering from PTSD or education, it just it seems like it's the the we the people who do it better. So I appreciate what you do every single day. Tell our audience again how they can look up your schools and understand a little more about it. Right. We're OptimaEd.com. And if you're looking nationwide for our the online program, it's OptimaAcademy.online. And you can sign up there, find out if you qualify for tuition-free option, OptimaAcademy.online. And of course, the Leadership Institute, if you are looking to become an activist or run for school board, or if you're an existing school board member that wants training, uh, Leadership Institute is where you want to go to sign up for our services there. Wonderful. Erica Donalds, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Absolutely. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast. For this episode and others, check out TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or head over to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.